Hi, everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Bogger-Milas, and I'm the editor here at this rodeo. And joining me as per usual is my co-host, Miss Annie Bundle. Hello. Hello. How are you today? Um, I think good. Oh, good. It feels weird to be like, I think there's hope out there now i don't know i still am going to be eating on patios and stuff for a bit because i have a lot of anxiety about everything but i feel like you know moving on up yeah i have a hair appointment i'm excited about that greg is really excited about that because if you follow any of us on either of us on social media you'll have seen his 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 pandemic hair which he is not fond of See, that's what my my husband's hair is all falling out, but it's falling out in a nice pattern, so it just sort of looks like you know he got a haircut. Um, uh-huh. So it, it, it's 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 actually been quite nice. Like it doesn't matter that he hasn't been to the barber because he looks okay. His beard, on the other hand, is desperately in need of trimming. But your hair is, lo- is looking great. I know. I, I'm very excited. You got you got your hair done too. Yes, I did. That was like my present to myself once my full vaccination was done. Um, I got my hair bright purple with rainbows in it, and I'm very pleased with it very much. Um, people can see it on. It looks really awesome. People can see it on my Instagram if they uh, go there. Um, mixed in among all of the cat pictures. So, uh, what are we talking about today? Well, today. Remember how I said we were going to talk about some weird stuff <laughs> in in these months of lean times, pandemic enforced lean times. This is one of those days where we're going to talk about something that is not British, not particularly prestige, but uh, that we wanted to talk about because people are talking about it and we both really liked it. And that is Netflix's Shadow and Bone. I would argue that this is prestige TV. I mean, this had a pretty big budget. Um and well, I think there's like it's not prestige TV. It's not like Mayor of Easttown. Okay, no, that's true. It's not Mayor of Easttown. By the way, if you're not watching Mayor of Easttown, you are missing out. Oh my gosh, I I love how depressing it is. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that she actually says water. Anyway, um, so uh, Shadow and Bone is basically an attempt by Netflix. They they um in in the in the aftermath of Game of Thrones, we have all of these streaming services that are basically trying to find the next Game of Thrones. Um, and Netflix has actually been doing decently well in finding, if not the next Game of Thrones, then Game of Thrones replacements. Uh, they have The Witcher, which uh, stars uh, British actor Henry Cavill, um, and a cavalcade, basically, of other British talent, um, all of which is amazing. Um, but it's not based on, like, you know, Anglophilic-type uh, writings the way Game of Thrones was. It's a uh, Polish, Eastern European fairy tales. Um, Shadow and Bone is written um, by Lei Borgato, I believe is how you pronounce your last name. Uh, Bardu. I okay. It's Bardugo. Bardugo. Okay. Um, uh, again, this is a. This is not a. It, it has a cavalcade of British actors: Ben Barnes, uh, Jesse May Lee, um, etc. But again, uh, it's not actually a British-based or Anglophilic uh, fantasy. Instead, this is Russian-based, which actually makes it, you know, very different because we don't get a lot of sort of that, like, you know, Asian, uh, Asian-centric type story um, that focuses especially on Russia, which is sort of like 
uh, uh, cross between Asian and Eastern European. Um, and uh, I found uh, the books are well, they're they're aimed a little younger than say Game of Thrones or The Witcher, which were definitely aimed at an adult audience. This is aimed more at a uh, what's called the young adult crowd. Uh, Although to be fair, I'm jumping in here to tell you straight up, honestly, no shame. I read a crap ton of YA fiction. Oh, I I, I actually find the f- a lot of it is a lot of it is just as you, you know. There's really no difference between it and adult fiction only in like the age of the protagonist like yeah. there is seriously like some dark themes in these books there's violence there's murder there's all kinds of like thematic things that we consider fully like adult issues it just so happens that the protagonists are all under 18 yeah and honestly like except for the except for the darkling who's like 500 but still <laughs> um i find the whole like ya like sub genre like i get why it exists and i get why people push for it because you know when harry potter came out it kind of like exploded that genre and a lot of people turned to that genre so we w- then want to call other things ya in order to get more people to read them but honestly i i am i i think that's I, it it bothers me a little bit when books like this one are sort of categorized in this YA. It really is. It yeah. really is because of the age of the protagonist. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Like that is, I th- someone told me that once and I was kind of, it blew my mind, but it makes a lot of sense. It's like, this is the, it's the age of the protagonists involved, not necessarily like, you know, who the story is appropriate for. Even though a lot of, you know, a lot of YA fiction is clearly like younger skewing mm-hmm. in terms of it's sort of like, complexities of its plot but why a fantasy of which um the multiple series under the grishaverse umbrella fall are is tends to be much more uh skewing towards adult or older readers and that's really the 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 grishaverse as uh, as it's known is kind of the big thing about these books that make them so great um you know there's Lots of books that are sort of like, you know, fantasy based where the world build isn't totally like there, but the characters are great. And then there's some where the characters are pretty stock and the adventure is pretty stock, but the world build is just stunning. And I very much felt when I read the original Shadow and Bone novel that 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 this fell into that latter category. Like I absolutely love the whole uh, the whole magic um, sort of world here and how it's sort of based in what's called the small science, which is based... It goes back... Remember what we talked about a couple weeks ago when I was... The, that quote that I love about any uh, significantly advanced scientific yeah. thing is indistinguishable from magic. That's yeah, basic- basically the basis of the magic in these books. Yeah, which I think is brilliant. I, I think more I think more fantasy should actually do that. I love the idea that this is magic that is basically just the ability to manipulate molecules. Um, I genuinely love the fact that once you... Uh, the, the original Shadow and Bone trilogy um, was just focused on Ravka which is basically the, the world of Russia here. Um, but once you get out of that and into Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom and her other books, you get a much bigger, like, you know, entire, like, continents and seas and um and and basically an entire planet and you get different cultures and she explores basically like she basically takes earth cultures and sort of runs them through this funnel of her grisha idea and what comes out the other side is always incredibly interesting uh six of crows for example is set in what's called kirsch which 
is basically uh, Denmark. And her take on sort of like, you know, middle, uh, you know, I was going to say Middle Earth Denmark, what I meant is Middle Age Denmark, is really like sort of fascinating. And I, I genuinely love it. Um, now, the thing about let's let's start. Let's start with a very basic primer okay. for people who don't like know anything about this series. I have read all the books. I have watched the show twice. I am here for your needs. <laughs> um, these books are set, as Annie was saying, in a world that is populated by regular old human people and people who are known as Grisha. The Grisha all practice the, I'm making air quotes, small science, which is where they manipulate matter at its molecular level to make it do things. And the show is not really great about explaining about all the sort of orders under this umbrella of magic. Uh, but there are three main types. They are the corporalki, who are the people who can manipulate like the human body in some way. They tend to either be healers or heart renders, which is people who can like, it's sort of like defensive and offensive magic. There are the etherealki, who are the people who can kind of control elements. There's tide makers who control water. There's squalors who control sort of air and storms. There's inferni who control fire. Um, and the other one, what is the, the other one is the materialki who are Dorasts and something else, but they could, that I'm not remembering off the top of my head, but they control like fit, they control like metal chemicals, like physical fabricators, physical matter. That's the other one. Fabricators. And well, it's because they don't ever really show you David that much in the show. Right. No. But... Um. The one of the things. OK, so the really important thing to know about this show before we before you've started to explain the world. But this isn't just the book of Shadow and Bone adap- adapted. What Netflix did, because, as I said, there are two other series that are also set in this world that sort of grow the the continent um, much larger than just outside the world of Radka, is that they took both Shadow and bone and the six of crows book and they sort of smashed them together to basically give us the ability to see the entire continent at once and meet most of the characters that exist within her world at the same time yeah um and but you don't have to actually read the six of crows book in order to understand the show the plot of the show is basically the plot of the first shadow and bone book with some extra plots made up for these characters from six of crows who appear in the story but the story of Six of Crows has not yet happened. Yeah. and If that makes sense. And be, the thing that is, in order to do that, they did have to take some things out that exist in the Shadow and Bone book. And one of those is sort of the deep dive into these different, you know, these different orders. Like in the, in, in the Shadow and Bone book, we basically get kind of a Hogwarts section where like, where uh, uh, Alina, the, the, the heroine goes to school and she get and we basically get all of this in a series of chapters as she is in school and the the school stuff is basically condensed down to like an episode practically so you don't get a lot of this um i did think it was very interesting that netflix um ahead of time sent critics all of these explainers for these things so that we could write them up as supplemental content because it was like they knew that a lot of people would be like we don't get what's here and you're not explaining something hmm that's I'm really annoyed by that. I didn't get that. I just did. You didn't. Oh, my God. I'm going to send that PDF to you. It's amazing. That's hilarious. I just I also wrote Grisha Explainers, but I wrote them because I <laughs> have read all these books several times. Um. Anyway, so the story of Shadow and Bone basically focuses on this girl named Alina Starkoff, and she is a cartographer who works with the 
with the with the military with the Ravkin military. And the thing to know about Ravka is that it is actually a country that is split in half by a gigantic hundreds of miles wide, literal, like, like wall of darkness. It's called the Shadowfold. And it's populated by vicious monsters known as Volcra, who used to be people, but are now kind of like human pterodactyl things that eat the people that come into the darkness. It's pretty gross. But uh, according to Ravkin religion, they believe that one day a sun summoner will appear to banish the shadow fold forever. A sun summoner is someone who would be able to summon enough light or, or, you know, light energy to destroy the fold. But no one knows if those uh, types of Grisha are actually real because no one's ever seen them. Yeah, basically they would be under until they would be under the second category. The 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 the, the I'm going to mispronounce this. The ethereal ethereality I always read it as ethereality, and I knew that was wrong. Um, because I mean I might be wrong too, but that's how I always thought the ethereal part was. Ah, uh, okay, no, the that, part you focused on, but that would make sense. Who knows? Call us. <laughs> Um, Miss <laughs> Pardugo, and let us know. But basically, um, the uh, there are two. There are basically, as as you said, we have people who you know manipulate water and fire. Sun summoners uh, are of are of this that they can basically control light. And then there's something that's the opposite of that, which is a shadow summoner who can control the darkness. And the shadow fold was made by a shadow summoner, mm-hmm. very long time ago. Known as the Black Heretic, because one of the great things about YA fantasy is they love to give people like very fancy sounding names. So the Black Heretic created the Shadowfold. Anyway, long story short, this girl named Alina Starkoff ends up in the Shadowfold for reasons that will be explained in the show. But in order to save the life of her best friend slash crush, uh, Mal Oretsev, she she somehow manages. They have to go into the fold for the sort of military mission they get attacked by Volcra. she's like oh no we're all gonna die and then suddenly like a great light explodes from the ship and beats off the Volcra, and everybody is able to escape to freedom because it turns out that alina is a grisha and has never known it and the rest of the story is basically like she is taken sort of taken in by the second army which is the army of grisha and its leader whose name is general kerrigan and taken back to the little palace where all the grisha live to try to train her and her powers because this is like literally world-changing stuff like she could save their world by destroying this this literal pocket of darkness yeah and honestly like this is where i really love this show much more than i love the book um, when it comes to the book, you know, when when we get to the shadow fold and Alina is there with her maps and Mal is there with his soldier stuff, like there isn't any question that they're going to the shadow fold. Of course, they're going to the shadow fold. That's why they're there. Basically, you have to cross the shadow fold to get from East Ravka to West Ravka. Otherwise, you you like literally can't get there. So that their whole they're, they've basically been ordered to go to West Ravka. So that's what they're doing. In the in in the show, they change this. We don't have people just crossing willy-nilly. We only have people crossing when it's absolutely necessary, which makes, honestly, a lot more sense. Um, We have 
Mal going across because Mal is actually a very strong and good soldier. He has incredible abilities to track things, especially like uh, like he's basically a really great spy and a really great animal tracker and has like and he's really talented and he's really strong. And of course, so he's all the things that like, you know, Alina wants in a man. Um, And they've been best friends since they were together at an orphanage as children. So, of course, because you always are, aren't you? Um, Isn't that how we all meet our spouses? Anyway, um. So basically, Alina isn't going with him. She actually has to like go and burn a bunch of maps and make it so that a cartographer has to go in order to like draw stuff from West Ravka. And that makes a very different kind of show from the bat because suddenly where in the books, things just sort of happen to Alina and she's just kind of like, oh, look, things are happening. Oh, crap. Help. Oh, things just happened to me again. Oh, crap. Help. Um... Annie has a harder read of Elena than I do. I really, I, I mean, it, don't get me wrong. I did like the book. I loved the entire world build of the Grishaverse. But as an actual story, it very much felt to me like someone had basically read Twilight, The Hunger Games, and Harry Potter, and this is what came out the other side. And that's not a. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just say that that is incorrect and keep it moving. <laughs> I, 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 I understand that that's not the nicest way of seeing it and that it is actually a little better than that, but I very much felt like I could literally pick out sections that I were like, and this was the Hunger Games, and this was Twilight, and this section is the Hogwarts section. Um, and honestly, like, one of the things I think the show does really, really well is correct that sort of bit where Alina doesn't get to make choices she gets to here she gets to make choices she has she has the agency she's the one who's sort of driving her own story and that's honestly to me why i think shadow and bone is one of the best shows i have seen this year so far because Mm, that i will agree with because we have so many shows fantasy shows that are basically aimed at women even if they don't want to admit it even if they have a male lead they're always aimed at women because it's young women who basically set the tone of culture it's young women who fall in love with things like bts and make the biggest group in the world it's young women who fell in love with the beatles thank you and you know young women fell in love with game of thrones young women are falling in love with this and I want shows like this to give young women heroines who they can look to who are making their own decisions and even when they screw things up and accidentally get themselves kidnapped um they they did it it wasn't something that happened to them and and that's really I feel like an important thing in our media that we don't get enough of and Mm -hmm. Shadow and Bone has it in spades I do agree with that I do agree that um that Alina gets to be a lot more active in her own story. And I actually really like that even if she makes wrong decisions, they're still her decisions. I think that's very important because we don't always make great decisions. And, um, I mean, one of the things that we get here is that, you know, in, in, uh, in, in the book, when they go into the shadow fold, most of her cartographer friends die. And it's not her fault that they die in the book because it's not like she actually ordered them to go in there. It just happened. And she wasn't fast enough to save them because she didn't know how to use her powers. She didn't even know she had them. Here, the fact that most of her cartographer friends die is her fault. She birthed Mm. the map. She got them on that ship. It's her fault. And that actually also makes her someone who who, who is dangerous in a way that she doesn't even sort of understand or realize that. And so the audience gets more of a, a three-dimensional character when you make mistakes like that you aren't perfect and i think it's very important that we have those kinds of heroines out there um i agree 
All that being said, my actual favorite character is the one from Six of Crows. Oh my god, I love these guys. Oh, I thought you were going to say the goat. And I'm like, the goat <laughs> is also great. Okay, I was um, going to get to the goat, but um, before we get to the goat... There's a should... literal goat here, so yeah, like, his name and, is Milo. And, and, and he is the goat of Shadow and Bone. <laughs> but um, tis. Sorry. We're um, very funny here. <laughs> so... Um, the story of Six of Crows is basically a very different one from Shadow and Bone. If Shadow and Bone is sort of your, you know, love interest, is your sort of, you know, love romance, YA romance with with a girl who's a chosen one and a boy who's a soldier, um, Six of Crows is basically a Mission Impossible set in fantasy. Uh, Denmark it's I mean that's basically my best way of describing it when I finished reading it I was like oh my god I just read Mission Impossible um Kaz Brecker is the leader of the Crows um he's played by Freddie Carter here um he is basically sort of a a criminal wonder kid who uh has created an entire gang by the time he's 17 and controls entire swaths of Ketterdam um including many clubs and so forth he has uh several gang members uh who he trusts at various levels um one of who Inej is uh she's known as the Wraith and um she's sort of this world's version of 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 muslim but not quite um because you know it's a little complicated but i i really love that oh she she follows the old religion ah yes that's Um, that's how they put it but um i i I really which is basically just like um they have a lot of ravkin saints who are sort of patrons of various grisha abilities i I genuinely i genuinely love the fact that we have like very religious characters in this way um and then we have a jesper who is kind of this trickster dude who happens to actually um in in the books it's made much more clear than in the show but that he actually has vague grisha abilities that i actually think it's true the other way i think it's much clearer in the show that he's grisha than it is in the books do you really um Mm -hmm. okay i i felt that it was i i maybe maybe that's just me but i felt in the book it was spelled out more because i had a lot of people asking me after they watched the show is he supposed to be grisha and i was like well yes uh, okay that's why his bullets don't miss i think i think Mm -hmm. the going wisdom in the fandom is he's some form of fabricator yeah and basically he um he's supposed to be you know basically um even though this isn't spelled out in the show he's basically like he his parents knew what he was and told him to hide it and so he did um because you know the fact is is that not everybody actually wants to go away to hogwarts let's let's be honest um in this case it's called little palace um you know you you get taken away from your family and you never see them again you know you're you're literally like you lose everything you lose your people you lose your home you lose your friends you know and and for some people that's like you know everything they've ever wanted in life but for some people like the idea of losing their homes is terrible and they don't want that and they don't want to be in what's known as the second army because they don't want to be like fighters that way um and they don't want to follow general kurgan who is perhaps not as uh, heroic as he makes himself out to be um and so he does have great coats oh my gosh can we just talk about the coats in this show <laughs> I love all of them. I, love I mean, all of them. just the the in the same way that the world building is just one of the chief delights of these books, the look of the world is one of the chief delights of this Netflix show. Like I it's just tr- it it's such a it's so obvious that they really worked closely with 
the author of the series to sort of get this feel right because it feels so lived in and real and so true to sort of the world you kind of imagined while you were reading it. I wish we had spent more time on the Ketterdam set because I loved everything about the the way the sort of show depicts Kirch and I, I wish we had seen more of it because it just looked like a place that I would like to go have some drinks. And yeah, I, I'm stuff. sort of hoping that like when we get to the real Six of Crows plot, since, since the since this first season is sort of a, a, a prologue that sort of um, pulled a little bit from the backstories of some of the characters, like uh, there's a pair of characters named Nina and Mathis who are sort of ex-lovers in the Six of Crows book. And basically like we find out their backstory through their conversations in the book. And in this first season, we basically see that backstory love affair like play out on screen and I, I i i think it but with uh with kaz and inej and jesper there really isn't a backstory to play in the same way so they basically just give them a different mission impossible made up of whole cloth where that mission impossible is that they are going to in the six of crows book this mission impossible is that they're going to go get someone who has invented this kind of drug that is that is uh that is very dangerous to the world here they've been basically hired to go kidnap alina dun, dun. Yep. but nina and, and matthias are just doing their book plot off in fjorda right like off, off off in the world like you know like doesn't have anything to do with anything it's i know and i love it <laughs> now i'm very partial to nina as a to nina zenik as a character and to nina and and matthias as a thing and so i loved all of that yeah. They they have they have the only one bed trope and I am a sucker for that and they have to like cuddle together for body heat and and, and they they literally have like a titanic moment where listen there was actually room for both of them on that damn door. <laughs> I mean it's true there was. I'm not mad at Rose but like let's be let's be upfront about what really happened. Yeah. And I have to say that we get a lot of really great British actors in this show. Like to tie this back to what Anglophiles would love, um, Jessie Maley is um, she's kind of an up and comer, but she was actually in a the national the- in in those streamed national theater productions uh, pre pandemic, um, including one where she was uh, where she played opposite Lily James uh, in All About Eve. Oh uh, yeah. Um, uh, see, uh, Ben Barnes, of course, has been sort of like one of those. I, I'm really happy that like everyone's on the Ben Barnes train now. But like, did you guys not see the Darnia movies? <laughs> like, I guess not. He was. Um, Do you know how hard the second two flopped? Yes. Nobody saw those but you and me. <laughs> um, I loved the Darnia books. And I'm really mad that the film series got sort of, you know, fell apart before it got to like the best books. Horse and his boy forever, y'all. Anyway, but Ben Barnes is, I think, Prince Caspian in yes. the Narnia books, and he looks yes, he is. He looks pretty much the same there. He's apparently got like eternal attractiveness. I don't know when when they age him. When when we actually kind of get like the the General Kurgan backstory and they age him down, I was like, oh my god, they made him look just like Prince Caspian. He's a like, looker. It was amazing. He's a looker. His character is like wildly problematic, but he is a looker. Yeah. So and he looks great in 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 in, in coats co- and in coats. Oh yeah. Like yeah. It's Knitwear. brilliant. <laughs> Loves it. Oh, um, uh, let's see. There's a let's see. Who else is uh, Zoe Wanamaker is in this? Oh, I was so shocked. She was not. I I love her, but she is definitely not who I had in my head when I was picturing Bagra at all. But she's great. 
And they give her actually a little bit more of a backstory. Yes, they do. Or a little bit more to do than than she gets to do in the books. Um, honestly, like my picture of Bagra when I read it was a little bit more like Agra from uh, The Dark Crystal. So mm. the fact that I didn't really quite picture a human being at all, I pictured a Muppet is, you know, honestly, like I knew whatever I pictured wasn't going to be there. Um, see, Freddie Carter is uh, Cass Brecker. Uh, Kit Young is uh, Jesper and Amita Suma. I love him. He's my he's like my breakout favorite from the show. Uh, I love Amita Suman who plays Inej. I think she's brilliant, and I really hope that she gets so much more work out of this. Um, and I can't wait for them all to come back in season two and get like their actual like Six Crow story. Can they just announce season two already? This is rude. Um, it was like number one on top of my like stupid. What are people watching Netflix emails for like weeks? Well. Uh- um, let let us recall that most Netflix shows do not get greenlit for a second season until 30 days is up. Mm. Um, and it has not actually been 30 days yet since Shadow and Bone came out. Um, so that's thing one. Um, second thing, um, Netflix has a tendency to announce their big shows getting renewed right around the time that its quarterly earnings reports come mm. out. Okay, that makes sense. Um, Bridgerton at, at Bridgerton, as you will recall, got its second. Literally, like the 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 rollout was. Here's our first. Here, here's our fourth quarter numbers, and holy crap, all of you watch Bridgerton. And then literally the next day, oh, and by the way, here's season two. Um, so like they they basically took it and dominated the news cycle for like a couple of days by doing it that way. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised. Um, the the Disney quarterly earnings just came out like this this past week, so Netflix quarterly earnings should be in like the next like week or two i would not be surprised if we got the same sort of thing where it was like oh holy crap y'all watch shadow and bone like all of you and then like the next day we get oh and by the way here comes season two because i feel like even people i feel like even people in my life who don't who don't uh tend to watch or read a lot of this stuff were also watching shadow and bone Oh, no, my hairdresser actually asked me about it. She was like, um, ha- have you seen that? You-, you review these things. Is it good? Yes, yes, it's good. Go watch it. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I feel like, she- and this is, again, in the same way that-, that they're trying to sort of get the next Game of Thrones without actually, like, making a Game of Thrones. I feel like both The Witcher and Shadow and Bone have been very successful in in basically kind of getting ahead to the top of sort of the dominant fantasy conversation mm-hmm. in entertainment um and you know i for this because it is sort of a ya romance it does have a bit of the bridgerton like feel to it in a way um not nearly as sexy or anything but it, the witcher doesn't have this kind of like you know romance aspect to it and i feel like that that shadow and bone has this going for it in a way that like people don't really want to think about but it's true it, they have there's a love triangle that's basically between alina and mal and by the end of the season also a little bit with general kurgan and so like you know those things and there's so you know and there's nina and matthias and there's and their and, whole like he's a witch hunter, she's kind of a witch. What will happen? Yeah. And, and Kaz and Inej have like the their sort of antagonistic flirty thing going on. I just want everyone on the show to like make out, is what I'm saying. <laughs> and and let's also remember, as you said, there isn't a lot of David, but we do get a lot of Genya. And David is I love I they're actually one of my favorite pairings from the books, and I was honestly like angry that I don't think Unless you were, like, really looking for that character, I'm not sure that you would realize that that character is, in fact, David. Oh, no. In fact, when I, um, when I, uh, 
I had read the books and my boss at Elite Daily had not. And when I said something about Genya and David, she goes, who? Who's David? Like she literally hadn't, he hadn't registered to her at all. And I sort of, and I had to sort of explain. And then she was, I mean, to be fair, the poor guy only gets like three scenes. Right. And then she was (laughs) like, oh yeah, in the third scene, Genya's kind of like, like swooning over him, isn't she? And I'm like, yeah, in the books, that's like an actual thing thing. Um, And I honestly, like, I have to say, like, the cast of this thing is really great, though. Like, even the smaller parts like Genya, who's played by Daisy Head, um, she's great. Um, Kevin Eldon is sort of the Rasputin kind of character to the king who's... uh, Oh, there is really not enough of the apparat in this story, because he is, like, a big part of the later books of this, and he's just sort of there, like, creepily in a hallway for a scene here. Yeah, um, he does a lot with it, though, even though his character is... Sort of cut down and it's because I, I, ju- I think this is just me wishing that they did a little more with like the religious parts of the story just because th- it is fascinating like there is a a supplemental sort of book that is not you know it's not part of this trilogy it's not part of the six of Tros- crows duology it's not part of like the other two book series that's part of this which is called king of scars it's just called um the lives of saints and it's basically just a book of the saint stories from Ravka. Uh, and it's like the saints you hear them talk about in the show, like uh, Sancta Ilya and chains and, and all of that stuff. And it's, there's, it, there's literally just like a little story. Like it, like it was a, a, uh, Oh shoot. A book of Psalms or something like you just, you just or like devotional. That's what I'm thinking of. And it's just got little, like a little two page story for all of the Ravkin saints. And it is really grisly in a lot of places and fascinating. So, my favorite thing about that is that The Lives of Saints is actually a book that is mentioned in the original Shadow and Bone novel. And it, when when uh, when 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 they wrote when when the author wrote this new book, um, it came out in October of 2020, only if, you know, about six months before the show. There's literally a copy of it in the show that the apparatus so hands great. to Alina. Like the cover, the cover actually looks like a devotional book. It doesn't look like a book book like we like you would get in the bookstore because one of her her latest book which is the sequel to king of scars called rule of wolves actually came out about a month maybe three weeks before shadow and bone debuted on netflix and um it's got a, a lot of these characters also pop up in that book as well yeah so um you can almost feel because you know this is this is a series that is being written well, I mean, the original trilogy has been written and the Six of Cursed duology is finished. So what they're actually doing for adaptation right now are finished stories. It's not like they're doing Game of Thrones where the books aren't even finished. But this is a developing series overall. And I feel... Sort of. The last interview I saw with her said that Rule of Wolves is her last Grishaverse book for a while. She doesn't think she's going to, like, stop. She doesn't think it's, like... It has a definitive endpoint, And I feel it's like it's a good place to sort of take a break for a little bit if she wants to write something else because she also has a contemporary fantasy adult series it's called ninth house it's good um so i don't i don't think there will be another one for a bit but i imagine there will be another one at some point well you know if especially because netflix does not green light things until 30 days um it will be a couple of years before there is a shadow and bone season two 
Um, even though I do expect very much that in the next few weeks we are going to get that season two renewal, it's probably not going to be until 2023 that we actually see the show, which gives, you know, that gives a couple of years off. And honestly, like one of the smartest things that Game of Thrones ever did was have season one play and then have George R. R. Martin drop a dance, uh, a dance with dragons. Um, because it sort of I like question. I question how much that was actually like a marketing. Play. No, it probably wasn't. But honestly, like it was given how given his inability to write the next book after like seven years. I don't think I counting on that would just mean some lost promotional money, in my opinion. I'm just saying that, like, if 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 we can start timing Grishaverse books to sort of land around new seasons, it would probably be very self-reinforcing in, you know, basically. I mean, probably. I just don't, I just don't think that's going to happen. Mostly because I think she wants to write her Alex Stern books for a little bit, which. I mean, they're good. Are more, you know, they're good. Um, so, uh, what do you want to see out of a season two, by the way? Uh, um, I want, what do I want? Well, I'm in, I'm going to be really interested to see like what they do with the six of crows plot because technically the plot of the book six of crows happens several years after the final book in the shadow and bone trilogy. So technically they shouldn't be able to do that yet, but they've already sort of started setting up for it in the finale of this first season. And they have moved the imprisonment of a character forward several years. So I think they're going to have to go get that character out of jail. Um, I don't know. I just want all of them to hang out and be adorable some more. I really am looking forward to seeing one of my favorite things that the show does is it really makes Alina's relationship with Mal something really rich and interesting and much more uh, just generally better than it is in the books they're very easy to root for they're very easy to enjoy together and it's really like for me even though technically on paper i guess there's a making air quotes love triangle for me it did not really feel like one in the sense that i didn't super think alina would ever pick anybody that wasn't mal because the way the story set it up for me it made him the really obvious choice for her because their relationship because of the way the relationship just is but some of the stuff that happens in the second book uh is kind of mal being a huge jerk so i am interested to see what they do with that because i don't think this mal that they have given me on screen such thus far would behave in that way yeah so i think that watching what happens to their relationship like can they kiss already please by the way um like watching what happens to their relationship and how it sort of develops in the wake of her getting these powers and everything that happens afterwards like i'm really interested to see where that goes um, okay, two things. Um, one, there was, I believe, a interview with the showrunner in which he basically said, well, we were going to have more kissing, but people at Netflix... Rude. He didn't say that they said no, but just that it was not encouraged, which I think actually is probably a little bit to distance it from Bridgerton, which they knew was coming before it and would kind of be the sex show. And they didn't want to have two very high profile shows that might be seen as the sex show. Um, And I can I can get that. But also, I mean, seriously, can they just kiss already? Um, um, What I want to see in season two. So 
I had only read the Shadow and Bone, the, the first book of Shadow and Bone, and then I had gone on to Six of Crows um, because I wasn't as into the whole like romance triangle part as I was into the Grishaverse. Um, but then I read the second book and discovered there's a character called Nikolai. Oh, yeah. And he's a pirate, sort of. And kind of like a sky pirate. It's hard to explain. I love him. He's really great. And so what do I want? I want more Nikolai. Like that's or what I, any Nikolai. Yeah, that's what I want. I want to see what that character will look like on screen. You know he's kind of the you know he's kind of the lead in King of Scars, right? Yes, I do. Um and that's actually what sort of encouraged me to go back and read those is I realized that there that the that the next duology basically included this character who I had no idea who he was because I hadn't finished the Shadow mm. and Bone trilogy. And I was like, "Oh crap, I got to go fix that now and then i met him and then i said oh gosh i've been missing out um yeah yeah so i i'm I'm very much looking forward to more nina as well i love her yeah um i i i'm very into getting more of that i too am really curious how they sort of square the six of crows circle here um i would it does like the last scene of the finale really does feel like they're setting it up to do six of crows and I've been trying to think, you may have actually, I read the Shadow and Bone books again very recently because I knew the show was coming, but I haven't read Six of Crows in a while. So I don't really remember if there's anything that kind of happens in their big heist drama situation that like couldn't just happen a little earlier for the sake of the show. Like, I don't know. Um, The big thing, okay, the big thing is the drugs. Because the right, dr- oh right, yeah. The the in in Six of Crows, the drug, the the man who invented the drug that they're going after. This drug basically changes the way Grisha's powers work. It's kind of like heroin for Grisha. Yeah, and but it but it also changes like it literally makes them stronger. So instead of just sort of manip, uh, so a uh, uh, a heart render, as we said, they they sort of have offense and defense capabilities. A heart render can basically defensively like get you not to attack them by slowing your heart rate down and making you feel really good about yourself, and so like and and getting all your endorphins going, and so you sort of let them go on by and you don't attack them. Um, in in Six of Crows, when you take that drug, suddenly that person, instead of slowing down their heart rate and making you feel good, basically they become completely addicted to you. And they literally will stand there. If you tell them to stand there and don't move, they will stand there and don't move until they drop dead. Like it is, it is, it is power beyond. But like the, but the, the, this drug is also a factor in later parts of Shadow and Bone as well. Right. And that's what I'm saying is that like having. Yeah, I forgot about that. Having this sort of having these two sort of time together is going to be really important because in in the in the Six of Crows book, we're basically having them go after the guy who invented this drug after the fact. And now we'll be having him them go after him much earlier. And I don't know that that's I feel like that's a problem you could work around. I do think like you'd have to like think about it. Right. Like I feel like there's I I feel like there's a way they can do it. And honestly, having seen what they've done with season one, I think they absolutely can. Like I have absolute faith in this team um, of writers and directors to do. I also really I also really love that um, it was the author who basically stepped up and said, look, I this was my first novel. I definitely have some things I wish I'd done differently. Like, let's fix it in the TV adaptation. Like, let's make it better because the TV adaptation is has some really like significant changes. Like, not just to sort of the way Mal and Alina's relationships works works, but to sort of like the world. The world is less white. Alina yeah. is actually Alina is 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 biracial. 
mm-hmm. um and her her um her biracial status because she is she's Ravkin and also Shu and Shu is the country that Ravka has been at war with forever and ever so no one trusts her they call her slurs and it's really like it's a really interesting way to sort of kind of just muddy things up a little bit in terms of the narrative and I I really like admire her for that being like you know what I wrote what I read at the time and and I realized I should do some things differently so she's gone out there and and consulted with them and so I I am interested to see yeah as I said where that goes further I I trust I trust this group to make this a really good season to make to make seasons two and three and maybe even beyond that but um I am very curious how they sort of there there is definitely some 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 finagling and massaging of timelines that needs to go on in order to make this work and I'm very curious to see how it plays out partly because I think that they will I will be very happily surprised by whatever it is they do yeah I agree I think um this show was so much better than I thought it would be Mm-hmm. like so I loved the books I love I love all of uh, Bardugo's books and I was really nervous about them making it into a show and, and it turned out better than anything I could have asked for so I really look forward to seeing what a second season will look like assuming we get one which is not guaranteed but I feel like seems pretty likely okay. so I, uh, I, I genuinely think this is the best thing I've seen on Netflix in 2021 like honestly like and yeah. i watch a lot i have to watch a lot of netflix things for work you guys um i i have sat through some things and you, you have know. put some stuff in your eyeballs um <laughs> i mean seriously like there, there, there's the show with the eyeshadow that i will i will never i will never get those 10 hours back um but i want to ask but i'm not gonna ask don't um but shadow and bone is like honestly like i am not sad that we are sort of breaking away from our usual to talk about this because it really is just that it's just really good yeah yeah it's just really good and the characters are great the world building is great i like if i have any complaints it's that i wish they took a little more time to kind of give the the people watching at home a little bit more of that grounding and kind of the rules of this universe and like what different Grisha can do. And there's a whole episode where they sort of do a long flashback sequence about how the shadow fold was created. And they don't really tell you a lot about this stuff called Merzost, which is this sort of dark power that fuels the shadow fold and where it comes from and who Sancta Ilya in chains is and all of that business. But cause I think that just would have made it a little bit clearer for people. But I also love that lore stuff so i'm hoping that a lot of that will get into season two um because that would also be a really great way to sort of bring back bagra and sort of like and 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 fill some things out that are a little thinner in the second book i think i think getting in i think there's space in the second book to fit that lore if they Mm. want to i hope so and of course i would like to actually have people know who david is (laughs) that would be nice um just saying <laughs> uh is that is that all the time we have for this week I, I think so i think it might be anyway consider this our non-anglophile specific recommendation that shadow and bone is really good and you should watch it um especially if you like any kind of fantasy adjacent anything because it's just really like it's just very entertaining it's only like eight episodes so it doesn't take that long and you know, the cast is really fun. I want them all to, like, 
the costumes the costumes, the costumes are, are great just, sets are great i love them so much like this is this and is, if anyone needs to yeah i was gonna say if anybody needs to talk about the books with me i'm ready i'm an email away uh speaking of ways to talk to us but up tis and you tell the people where you live on the internet uh, you can find me at Annie Bundle on Twitter. You can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. You can find pictures of my cats and my new hairdo at Annie Bundle on Instagram. Uh, let's see. I am a staff writer at Elite Daily. I am also a regular contributor to televisions.org. And I write for things around the web. Um, so basically, if you follow me on Twitter and uh, I basically retweet all my bylines, and that's the fastest way to know what I'm writing about. Oh, and by the way, happy Eurovision week, you guys. This week it's Eurovision semifinals and the sem- and and the grand finale is next weekend. Yay! Okay, that's all. Thanks, bye. She is so obsessed with Eurovision, you guys. I love Eurovision like, so, so much. obsessed. Um, I'm voting for lot. Iceland if I could vote, but I can't. Um, are they going to do that song from from the Netflix movie? No, no, no. But it is <laughs> it, their song is totally adorable, and it's been stuck in my head for weeks. Okay. Anyway. I am probably not going to watch Eurovision, I'm sorry to say. Uh, but I am on Twitter at LaceyMB, that is L-A-C-Y-M-B. And you can come and be my friend and talk to me about other things. But I do read a lot of YA books, so if you want to talk about those, I am also your girl. I write a lot of places around the entertainment web, including televisions.org. But I always tweet my bylines, so come and check all of that out if you just want the cat pictures who are really just getting gigantic at this point. They are on Instagram at Baker and Hammer. They're very cute. If you just want the British or British vaguely adjacent stuff, you can follow the site and the pod on social media at telly underscore visions on Twitter and televisions blog, all one word on Facebook. We are a product of WETA. And if you like what we do, you can visit televisions.org and click on the donate button up top to help us keep doing it and support public media at the same time. Everyone wins. Uh, do I have any other words of wisdom for you guys today? Not really. Take care of each other. We're still deep in all of this. We are excited to see people getting vaccinated. The world may be starting to get back to normal a little bit, but uh, won't happen unless we all do it together. So let's do what we can. Wear a mask, sanitize, get vaccinated when you can help your relatives get vaccinated when they can and we will all celebrate when this is over thanks for listening everybody and we will be back next week